Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, many people, both in the States, United States and around the world, are still reeling from the recent decision by the US Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade so that the states may now make it illegal to perform or obtain an abortion. For many of us, even if we don't live in the US, this feels a bit like a personal blow. And if we feel personally affected, it is because we are personally affected. The ruling diminishes the self-ownership of all women, which is something I believe. I know there would be some people who don't believe that, but I absolutely do. And today... We're going to have a chat with Alex Morris about growing up in the southern states of America on the Bible Belt, her journey to Australia, and what it's like being a progressive woman watching the political and social changes in her home country, the states, over the last few years, including the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Now, I love Alex. She is one soulful sister and one of my favourite Hazel sister guests. (laughs) (laughs) Alex is a journalist, she's a poet. Mm-hmm. A blogger and writer with a wonderful creative spirit. Now, Alex, as I said, was actually born and raised in South Carolina. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And she made her way across the world to Australia and we've now claimed her as mm-hmm. our own. I am dual citizen, actually. <laughs> I am Australian and American. So, oh, yeah, very lucky. Yeah. There you go. So, when, when did that happen? <laughs> Over COVID. <laughs> oh, I love it. You got dual citizenship. I know. I was like, now's a good time to make sure. I was worried, actually, about everything in the US. I was like, I need to make sure I can get back here. <laughs> <laughs> that was clever. Well, yeah. Wait, yeah. Well, and I go, we've claimed you as our own, especially mm. in Newcastle. Yeah, I feel um, I, ve- I feel very loved in Newcastle. I feel very lucky to be here. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know what? You're doing lots of cool things in the community, both creative and philanthropic, writing for the Newcastle Herald, hosting poetry nights, running creative workshops, and supporting local community projects with awesome Newcastle, yeah. awesomeness Newcastle. And you're helping with that as well, Mel. So <laughs> thank you so much for your support with that. We'll get you back next year. Well, I love awesomeness <laughs> Newcastle. Just quickly tell us a little bit about that. Awesome Newcastle is actually part of the broader Awesome Foundation, and it's just no strings attached, uh, $1,000 grant give, giveaways. Uh, every month we give away $1,000 cash to good ideas in the community. And if you want to learn more about it, not just all, you can visit Awesome Newcastle's website, but also check out Awesome Foundation because it occurs all over the world and it's about non-bureaucratic philanthropy. Oh, I love it. And I've been to a couple of the nights and and contributed towards that $1,000. And I actually just recently, one of the projects that pitched on, I think the second night that I did it, was the Reclaim the Night March. And that went ahead and I was like, oh, that's so great. They got $1,000 from Austin Newcastle (laughs) to put towards their signage and Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. All kinds of really interesting, cool things happen from it. So, yeah, and we appreciate our board members who not only give money, but also kind of debate and discuss and help help push uh push for the best idea yeah. it's a little bit of a competition but and not and not in a terrible way in a fun way <laughs> no but it's really interesting because the the couple of times i've done it there've been such varied projects mm. you kind of go oh it's a bit difficult to choose but um in both the the ones that i was involved in i was like yeah i think that was the right decision oh, good. yeah and especially when you see that project come to life it's like yeah well we, oh, we contributed yeah. to that yeah it's really rewarding <laughs> yeah so alex you're also passionate about positive 
body and beauty image without mm. the use of makeup. Mm. Oh, I don't hate makeup, but I am critical of marketing campaigns that push women to think that they're not enough. I think that's yeah. the best way to I was going to say, because I'm sitting here with the face of makeup right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're also an advocate for women's rights, mm. including women having rights over their body yes. and right to safe access to an abortion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk about this. I don't uh, I don't post about this very much on social media because sometimes I feel like it's just kind of shouting into the void. But um, a podcast sounds like a little bit yeah. of a better way to have a kind of, I don't know, thoughtful discussion around this. So I was so honored when you asked me to come Yeah. Apart. Well, do you know what? I just think it's something that we were all horrified about when, mm. when we all saw on the news that that the um, Roe versus Wade had been overturned. I would say that, you know, women, many a woman all over the world would have been horrified. And I was thinking of The Handmaid's Tale. Mm, yeah. Well, and when Handmaid's Tale came out before Roe was overturned, I think um, a lot of people and, and Trump was in office and um, Mike Pence actually is more, I mean, Mike Pence, the vice president, who's a little bit more long term anti bodily autonomy, anti choice. He he was he was kind of the person I was thinking of when all of this was happening. It's been a long time coming, the overturning. It's been on it's been on people's minds for a long time and that's why, you know, we're seeing you know, movies and films and shows about it and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And so just quickly, you know, mm. it's funny. I think I was watching was I watching Overturning Row? I might have been, but I was watching something and it was actually showing this clip of Donald Trump and how like pre him entering politics, he mm. was just like, oh, it's a woman's right to do whatever yeah. she wants with yeah. her body. Yeah, 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 and yeah. saw this woody video footage mm-hmm. of him saying that. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he joined the Republican Party and went into politics, he did mm. the total 180 switch. Mm. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it was called Reversing Row as a documentary. I was just brushing up on some history on that. And it's interesting because... That I think the religious right um, really want to push for, like, they have a powerful sway. Their votes are very powerful. And if you want to run for office and you want the Republican vote, the religious right is who you have to cater to. So it's very easy for, um, I think, uh, George Bush, the first senior, I guess, had the same situation as Donald Trump. Multiple people have changed their stance when they've realized that it will win them votes, which is terrifying because, mm. I mean, how little do you actually care about what you believe in? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, you know? that you can switch like yeah, that. Yeah, and Trump's another great example. Yeah, he was, he was you know, and he's, and he's from New York, he, and he is not exactly a pillar of family values, yeah. as we all know. So it's very, it was, I mean, yeah, the whole, the whole Trump, Trump presidency is just like... <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) And let's hope he doesn't get back in. Oh, I know. I know. I know, Mel. I'm just like, I don't even, I can't even process that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, that's two years away and I'm terrified. So yeah. 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 Well, I want to jump back in Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. talking a little bit about your childhood and growing up in South Carolina, Uh I say Dakota, then Carolina, sorry, on the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. So just quickly what what is the bible belt for people who don't really know well i'd say the bible belt is um kind of the southern states it's a it's a stretch probably starting in texas making its way up to the mason dixon line so virginia west virginia some people contend that west virginia isn't the south but i kind of feel like it is um it is connected to um uh the civil war and slavery um, some people like argue about Missouri and Oklahoma and stuff like that. But where I grew up, South Carolina was unquestionably a southern state. It was one of the first to secede from the Union, if I remember correctly. 
Um, I also lived in North Carolina, right above it, and I've also lived in Kentucky, um, which is also um, they they were neutral during the Civil War, but um, they also I think own plenty of slaves, unfortunately. Uh, people who lived in Kentucky. So all three of those states don't have the best reputation in, in many progressives' eyes. Um, and I've also lived in Washington, D.C., which I think is a little bit more of a... Progr- it's the nation's capital, and it's a little bit more progressive. So I have had a chance to kind of... But that is right on the border there. Like, Maryland's above and Virginia's below. So I, have, I haven't made it that far north, and I haven't lived in California or anything like that. And they're completely different places. Now, I was reading one of your articles in the Herald, and you were mm-hmm. saying how many Aussies travel to the States and visit LA, Vegas, Chicago, and New York, but we miss the mm-hmm. South. Yeah. So, given that you grew up in the South, what is it that you love about it? Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I do understand that, that it has a bad reputation, but it isn't all bad, and I believe that people should give it a chance. Um, I believe that they're um, honest, kind people who... I guess are are just really authentic. I think that there's um, they're very polite. They you know kind of give you the shirt off their back. I think there's a, there's I say simplicity, but not in simplicity like um, like dumb. Simple as in just easy to read, kind, generous people, um, and incredible food and beautiful nature and culture there's it's funny people people right off the south because of the civil war and because of the fact that there was slavery but there's actually a lot of diversity and multiculturalism in the south um believe it or not and um some of the places that i've lived like Asheville, north carolina is um is kind of people describe it as the san francisco of the south like there's definitely pockets of the south that are not just people marrying their cousins barefoot and pregnant you know waving confederate flags <laughs> i don't know all those all those stereotypes it's definitely more than that i'm gonna say i went to new orleans years ago oh, and yeah best food ever oh my god i love new orleans i haven't been there that many times but uh, great food the music i love it that on a tuesday night at two in the morning there's like a brass band marching down the street like yeah. oh my god there's so much there are i mean i mean you could just study it i'd love to go back to the u.s and study it because it's so full of conundrums and oxymorons but beautiful people and um amazing accents that are kind of getting less and less as as you know more like as as the mainstream accent kind of we hear on TV and stuff like that and, and southern accents get picked on a little bit but I, I don't know I, it's not all bad and there's certainly some beauty as well for sure I love your southern accent oh well it's funny because most Americans don't even think I sound southern anymore <laughs> oh, some really? Americans don't even know I'm from the US it's really devastating because I've been here for 10 years in Newcastle yeah people uh, some, I was at the museum and some people from Louisiana um, didn't know that I was American and just broke my heart. Because I used to give tours in a cave in Kentucky and I can do a real strong southern accent if you want me to. I can do the whole thing. And <laughs> now staying in the mouth of Lost River Cave, it's one of the large cave mouths this side of the Mississippi River. Blah, 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 blah. I, I, I love it. <laughs> it comes back when I go home. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. And you've just been home recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny because even just talking to my American friends, the longer I'm home, the less Australian I sound. So it's funny. Accents are so silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you, mm. you still sound very American. Oh, I love it. I love that accent. <laughs> it's like whenever I go to the States and people go, are you English? No. <laughs> Weird. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to thesisterco.com. So then how does like mm. uh, how does the southern states compare to the northern states? Because I go, it's interesting even that there's mm. like that there is a definition between the yeah. two. Yeah, absolutely. And I have um, a good friend here from L.A. And it's really interesting um, just talking to her about 
you know, how she saw the United States growing up versus how I did. I think that um, the U.S. as a whole is more religious than Australia, but I think the South is particularly more religious. I grew up very religiously. Um, I went to church every Sunday. Um, we said prayers before eating. We said prayers before going to bed. And I mean, it's really interesting when you look at um, kind of the way ideas um, progressed, including um, abortion, because when you read about the history of the abortion in the United States, it didn't really become a political issue until after Roe v. Wade. It was kind of something no one had strong opinions about. Yeah. So I do think that an interesting thing when we talk in the United States about red states versus blue states, Republican states versus Democratic states, Republican states tend to be in the Bible Belt, although they're also in the Midwest and stuff like that, and blue states tend to be California, New York, stuff like that. Um, there is a difference in not just religion, but um, I think lifestyle. I think um, there's a lot more um, rural activities, I guess, farms and, and less going on, less cities. Um, and, 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 and that's always going to have an impact, having like an, like a, an agrarian economic mm, base. Yeah, sounded, yeah. I sound really fancy then. I think I got that from Good Will Hunting. <laughs> But, you know, like it'd be like in Australia. Yeah. You know, if you're growing in, in, if you live in a region where it's, you know, predominantly the economy is around farming and agriculture, that's going to be very exactly. different from urban areas yeah. and and different points of view because people at the end of the day will kind of do what works for them, what yeah. they've learnt, what they've inherit, you know, mm. their beliefs and I guess religion and politics that they've inherited, and then how it impacts them. And it's and and fascinating, like. So I don't own a car now. My partner does have a car, but most pl- well, I get around by bike, by walking, by train, and by bus, and an occasional Uber. And I couldn't do that in anywhere I lived in the states because there would there was there are no footpaths, there's no sidewalks. Like you know, I mean, you could ride a bike, but you'd be putting yourself in a lot more danger. And it's so funny because before I moved to places like Washington D.C. where there was good public transport. You just didn't even think about it. Everyone owned a car like that. You just, you just, everyone drives everywhere in a car and it's such a, and, and when I go back to see my girlfriend who lives in Texas and my, even my, even, even in LA, there is public transport. I mean, this is a subset, but there's just so many like small things that do make big differences for how you see the world. I think like even commuting or, you know, how we gather. Do you go to a cool nightclub or do you go to a potluck dinner? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like those type of things. So, I mean, it's, and it, and it happens in Australia. I think you can look at it everywhere. Sometimes it's just the difference between country versus city, but it does influence the way we see the world a little bit. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Because it's funny, um, again, being a, an Australian, watching America, and I love American culture. Mm-hmm. I love American TV. I mm-hmm. love American culture. I always have. Um, I've been over to the States oh, probably about eight times now, mm-hmm. eight or nine times, and I love it. And I get so excited because, especially when it's like, I remember the first time I went to the States and I saw you who Is it you who It's a drink. you who yeah, yeah, the chocolate milk. Yeah, the milk, the milk. <laughs> And I saw Junie Mints because in Seinfeld, there's an episode yes. of Junie Mint. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mill Duds. I was like, all these things that were movie references, <laughs> I would get so excited about because, okay, that was the culture that I grew up with. It was mm. like American TV. And I go, mm. so it's interesting when I think about the Southern States and the Bible Belt, I think about like the blind side, mm-hmm. Skeleton Key. Have you ever seen that movie? I haven't, Mill. It's, it's <laughs> scary. It's like voodoo. Okay, cool. And like where the crawdads sing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are the strong family values, Christian mm. values and political views. Yeah. 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 And I do want to just. And voodoo. And, and, 
<laughs> voodoo, yeah, that's very, like, I think that's the kind of New Orleans kind of vibe, I guess. But I do just want to, like, I think that living in different places gives me a bit of a perspective, but you could bring in any other American who could see things completely differently. So I'm one in America, one American out of 330 million. So just want to <laughs> say that at some point in the podcast that I'm, I'm just one, one point of view. So <laughs> Yeah. So do you think, and we'll go into talking mm-hmm. a bit about um, Roe versus Wade now. Do you mm-hmm. think that women in the South, given that, you know, religion plays a more important Absolutely. part in their lives, you know, and, and a lot of religion, Christian religion is around, you know, is quite, I don't, it's not rules, what is it? Um, it is, it's puritanical kind of values. Values, yeah. Of, uh, Christian values, and it's about, you know, tradition and the way things were and also kind of often, not all, not all, like my parents go to a very progressive church now, but a lot of it's like a woman's place in the home and, you know. So it'd be really interesting Mm. whether women in the South would see, you know, in privately be quite horrified about the way that that has turned, you know. Right, right. Um, I think think that women – I know, I know that there are women who are um, anti-abortion. There are many women out there that think that abortion is wrong. So it's we can't say that all women believe that pro-choice is the the right option. But I think there are women in the South who are particularly terrified of what's been happening. You can watch the I think her name was Wendy Davis who did the filibuster on the on the floor in Austin, Texas, yeah. um, to stop um, abortion rights from being. Um, limited and the house was just full I don't know if it's the house or the senate but the the political office the floor was full of women that came from all over I Texas. saw that yeah, yeah yeah all over Texas backing her screaming cheering yes um, I definitely think there are a lot of women in the south who are passionately pro-choice and almost even and, and actually I mean I'm, I'm happy to kind of talk about um, just my own observations in this like I think I grew up I grew up religiously but I also have a memory of being at church with my mom and my grandma Greenwood Baptist um I was probably 8 or 9 and uh brother Jim was doing a sermon all about late term abortion and telling the whole audience all the things that happened it was very gruesome yeah. probably inaccurate and you know my mother who is a Christian woman married at 18 to my father who she's still with got up and left yeah and I mean I think that that stays with me because even though I know that my mom probably has more a different type of traditional values than I have, she understands what it's like to be a woman and she knows women who have had abortions and she knows that this kind of ultimatum and this kind of, you know, fire and brimstone, these women are going to hell is is a problem. And, I, you know, even though she and I have had our differences, especially as I got older and started discussing birth control and stuff like that, I do remember that because I know that... I, I, you cannot say that that all all Southern women are happy to be at home just popping out babies until the yeah. cows come home. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> now, I'm just going to backpedal a little yeah. bit because yeah. I'm like, there might be some people listening to this mm. who don't actually know what Road versus Wade yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so it it was back in 1973. Mm-hmm. A lawsuit was famously led to the U.S. Supreme Court making a ruling on abortion rights when an Jane Rowe, who is an unmarried pregnant woman, and that wasn't her real name, she filed a suit on behalf of herself to challenge Texas abortion laws. Uh, there was a Texas doctor 
joined Roe in the lawsuit, arguing that the state's abortion laws were too vague for doctors to follow and that he'd previously been arrested for violating the statute. You know, at the time, abortion was legal in Texas unless it was done to save the mother's life. Um, But otherwise, it was a crime Mm. to even attempt one. So um, in Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court decided that it was a fundamental right to privacy that protects a woman's choice whether to have an abortion. Mm. So, and, and at the time, that was massive. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. And it's interesting because that was the 70s and it changed. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can look at women having access to an abortion just completely change the cultural landscape and how, how we see things. And um, it's fascinating now, particularly because all my friends are in, most of my friends in the States are in Southern States. I've got a girlfriend in Texas who is, you know, who's just had a daughter and is is now realizing that her daughter is growing up. That Texas has has banned it. Yeah. Texas is really bad. Another one is Kentucky's really bad. But they're there. She and her friends are just like, what are we going to do? Do we even want to have more children? Because if we decide to have more children and something goes wrong, late term pregnancy, like they're going to have to leave Texas. Texas is a huge state, and you know what? If you have you know, and and if you look at late term pregnancy abortions or terminations, it is. It is so rare, but when it happens, it is devastating. It is to do with almost always like terrible situations with the fetus. It's nothing. It's not like a, oh, I, I changed my mind. Oh, it's absolutely. Like, oh, it's so sad. I think I I had a friend years ago who had an abortion at I would have been about twenty twenty two weeks, but they had discovered that. Um, through scans that the baby had a condition where it wasn't compatible to life yeah. so they were like as soon as this baby was born it was going to die yeah and so you go do you actually then carry it to full term or just go you know what yeah let's let's yeah. Ha- you know have yeah. a, have an abortion now and in this pregnancy now rather than I mean, carrying a baby or to carry a baby that's going to die to die and it's you just, know that it's yeah yeah, and and it's so interesting if you do watch um, the documentary Reversing Roe because, but because it's so late, such a late term abortion. You hear Donald Trump talking about why he thinks it's so wrong, and Brother Jim talking about it. When I was growing up, that's really where people's um, because that you start to see an actual body forming. But the the reality is, no no woman would wait that long and change her mind on a whim. It, it just shows you like the the, the lack of understanding. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of got sidetracked there, Mel. But I guess um, it's fascinating because this revolutionary thing happened in the 1970s, and then slowly a religious movement. And I do think it's really connected to religion because the people who passed Roe v. Wade, they were all men on that Supreme Court. And I think it was a conservative court. But at that time, it was not a political issue. It was just, you know what I mean? It was... (laughs) Yeah, because back then, the reason why this was really important was that there were a lot of people in marginalized groups, um, people, women that were maybe living in poverty who didn't have access to safe abortions or safe healthcare. They were from maybe ethnic communities um, um, or even I I know a lot of African-Americans. They just didn't have the access to to, to the right healthcare Mm -hmm. and the right support. And so they were going underground and having dodgy backyard um, abortions that were ending in in the actual woman dying yeah. not not every time but yeah. you know woman being maimed dying herself oh. all kinds of things and and drinking t- like all these there was so there it was it was unregulated and it was dangerous 
And um, to, you know, a lot of people say people are never going to stop getting abortions. People are going to stop get, getting safe abortions. And I think you make such a good point. It is connected to poverty. Rich women will always have access to abortion. That's the that's the really that's that's an important thing to remember as well. Do you know? know? Absolutely, mm. and it's really interesting because I was reading an article and it said that um, I think it was before Roe versus Wade they they said there was about a million abortions a year in the mm-hmm. states, and then after Roe versus Wade, it's the same number, but the difference mm. is the safety. Yes, and that that woman yeah. after Roe versus Wade was came into was was um, came into being that the new legislation back in the seventies that it just meant that there wasn't the abort- number of abortions did not go up, it stayed the same, but yeah. women were safe. Yeah, and yeah, they were yeah, done. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's very simple in my mind. I feel like it's always, but it has it is interesting talking to people who kind of disagree particularly like growing up in the south and realizing the the value people place on i guess um the idea of who you might be if you had a baby kind of you know what i mean i think um it's it's so simple for me it's just so simple like you said it's like people are going to have them either way let them have access to it in a safe way where they can continue to live their life I don't know. I think I realized early on that I, I worry that there's a, and I worry that there's a belief that, you know, women should, if you're going to have sexual activity, it should be connected to having babies. Like that's like, that's a very religious standpoint and people don't always come out and say that, but I do think why is religion the driving force be- behind, which is you know? so interesting. Yeah. You know why it's yeah. interesting? Cause I've been to Pompeii. People were having sex for pleasure for thousands of years. (laughs) You go to Pompeii, you go to the, you know, go anywhere to a museum or read, you Mm. know, different, you know, historical accounts. And people have been having sex for pleasure for years, whether they want to admit it or not. They have been. I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, like there's crazy, all kinds of crazy. If you want to like get into like sexual, (laughs) the history of sex and like the Romans and all kinds of stuff, like so many crazy, so many crazy stories out there and I think um, I remember as a teenager going to my friend's church and we and it was a lot of this wait till marriage wait till marriage I remember the woman made us all close she was it was a woman pastor which was progressive I guess but she made us all close our eyes and then she asked for a show of hands for how many of us were going to wait until marriage oh my god yeah and I remember I was like I'm not raising like you know, my parents were religious, and and it, I think there it, it is conflicting because you are in you know the family is valuable. You know, a two parent home. You know, um, there's all these these values that are celebrated, but also I I recognize from a young age because my parents were educated and they wanted me to do what I wanted. They like I wanted to live a wild and crazy life, and I wanted to experience everything. And I can't imagine thinking like I won't experience something because there's a chance that I might be forced into motherhood. Yeah. And that is that is a long bow to draw, I guess in some ways, but I do I do think about that and I do think some people really hate the idea of a of a free woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and birth control's great too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But I but but yeah, I just I feel like it's kind of like there's this there's this idea that um this the pleasure that comes with sex is wrong and i wonder about that with religion sometimes so i think the pleasure that comes with sex is amazing yeah (laughs) 
same, same, same. And but like that, you know, you say that in the wrong. You're on the wrong company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some people, some people, and I mean, even you know, I remember um, even getting on birth control as a teenager, like talking to people about that. It was, it was a, it was a difficult issue and my parents I don't think they liked it when I asked to go on it they said I was going to have to do it on my own because they were like yeah we we did we waited for marriage for sex and we think and now my brother and I both live in sin in different parts of the world <laughs> and I, they, my parents have moved on from that a little bit but you know it is heavy it is and you talk about it with your girlfriends that have been you know you, you go to these religious situations and you hear it all and that's what I love about Australia is I mean I've I've been here for a long time and I just don't feel the kind of the shame and the judgment. I do think that you guys are a lot more progressive in that capacity. Yeah, it's interesting. And and I don't know, I haven't delved enough into why or how that is, you know, I don't know. I wonder if it's all because, you know, there's a lot of us who are convicts. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> well, I, think, I think Australia finds community in a less and less judgy spaces. Like, you know, you guys like sports and I mean, so yeah. does the US, but there's, you know, we say the prayer before the game or whatever. Like, it's fascinating the way religion influences us in so many ways. But also, I was reading a national... Sorry, I'm talking no, so much. But it's all good. I was reading a National Geographic article earlier today. It was all about the history of abortion in the United States before Roe v. Wade. And for a long time, like it was almost like a non-issue. Like it wasn't talked about like terminate the pregnancy, but like to summons your menstruation. You know what I mean? Like people, like doctors talked about it and it wasn't even, it's interesting. And it kind of reminds me of the vaccines in the way that it's like a, a thing that everyone suddenly like became for or against. And now it's literally dividing the country. Now we're, you know, we're talking about Handmaid's Tale stuff. And at one stage, no, like maybe, maybe it was frowned on by the church a little bit because it might be connected to sex out of wedlock or something like that. But isn't it fascinating with the right influence and, and judgment and power, we can completely like change the views of a, the Supreme Court, you know? And, and, you know, that's the scary thing. So we, Mm. you know, we we've been watching when you know Trump came into power. Women around the world were protesting mm-hmm. um, yeah. because he thought it was okay to grab a woman on a woman on her pussy mm-hmm. and um, yeah. and know. you know and oh. that she was just going to fall over for yeah. him, you know. And yeah. then we've seen this now with um, overturning Roe versus Wade. So now. Yeah, you know, it's up to the the individual states to decide whether mm-hmm. abortion is going to be yeah. illegal or not. Yeah, um, and a woman loses that choice over her body. And I think you know many of us have watched The Handmaid's Tale in horror, thinking, you know, when it first came out, I oh, know that would never happen. And you go, actually, that's yeah. a big step because yeah. that, that that's the whole thing with The Handmaid's Tale is that a woman's life and body is not her own. Yeah. Yeah, it's the yeah, governments exactly, and it's um, you know that the men that run the government, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and yeah. you go, I hope I know it's a st- people would say it's a massive stretch, but I go, do you know what? There's also rabbit holes that just look at the Nazis and and if you talk to Margaret Atwood who wrote Handmaid's Tale before it became the show, not sh- the the book is based just on the first season. That's the only one I watched. I couldn't I couldn't keep going. It was too much. It was good, but it was too much. But the first season is based on the book The Handmaid's Tale. And Margaret Atwood said, nothing I wrote about hasn't happened in history already. Wow. So that's important to remember as well. Like, yeah. like the, 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 we take so much for granted, I think, in terms of, of living in a progressive society where we have autonomy control. And um, it's, it, it, it's so 
it's so scary to think about in, in, in terms of states. Like, you can go now and see where in Kentucky, where my, my parents live, um, abortion is currently banned. South Carolina, it was. They've un- overturned it again as well. So it, it's changing right now at the moment. All the states are doing different things. And it's also fascinating, though, because I was talking to a friend who told me, actually, Australia and the United States now have the same policy that the states decide abortions. The, so I didn't realize that. No, so, I didn't either. So the difference is Australia is just a more progressive country. So they would never, I, I shouldn't say that. No, yeah, it's yeah. possible. Please touch wood. But each state decides uh, the, I guess, the abortion regulations. But it's. Um, We've got progressive governments in. So yeah, they're not making the decision to make be, it illegal. Even in, even in the more, I guess, conservative governments, you can still in every single Australian state. Most people should have access to an abortion. And so for me, it's kind of, I was upset about Roe versus Wade, but what really upsets me more is the the ideology, the yeah. ideology that influences. Because if we lived in, a, if the U.S. was more progressive, then even if it was overturned, all states would see, you don't get to play God, to quote Ani DeFranco. You don't get to play God. A woman gets to decide yep. what to do with her own body. And when you think about some countries, especially third world countries, mm. If abortion's banned, what they do to women. Yeah. What they yeah. actually do to women mm-hmm. if, if they have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, let's hope that the states never get to that. Well, and, and that's why, um, you know, I think you, I, I know a lot of people I love who have had abortions and part of me thinks, you know, you should speak out about it and not be ashamed of it. But we, I think you do have to tread carefully because you don't know the direction it could go and how, you know, how, how crazy things could get. So I think, you know, give money, use your voice, but be, be careful because you don't know how things might change. Which, you know, is really interesting. I think Mm. that's probably a really great kind of point for us to end on Mm. is it's actually really important for women, for us to have, as you say, to have a voice, to have a point of view and Mm. actually to get involved in in the marches, to get involved in actually speaking up, you know, and, uh, and being heard in in terms of women's rights. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, women, we have a right to safety. I, I, you know, I work for Run Got Your Back Sister yeah. that helps women who've experienced domestic violence, and we say to them, "Do you know that domestic abuse is actually a violation of your human rights? Mm. The, the human rights mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. that the, the the UN and yeah, sets yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a violation of your human rights and they're shocked because they don't realize, but I go, it's true. And yeah, yeah. that's why it's really important that there's so many um, throughout history, women, unfortunately mm-hmm. have been controlled mm-hmm. by men mm-hmm. and now it's happening again mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. with the overturning of road versus made. And, and I think women need to stand up. We need to pay attention yeah. and not just let, that slide yeah. we need to be careful who we vote into politics and yeah. who we set up on pedestals as leaders yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely i think that's a great point to end on and i have recently given money to the carolina abortion fund in the united states that's one that um fights and now that i've found that kentucky is going in the same direction um i've decided i'm going to give some money to them as well also because i'm on this podcast and talking about it and i don't just want to talk about it i want to put my money where my mouth is especially with the people that i love and the women that i love in the south 
So um, thanks, Mel, for kind of uh, you kind of you kind of influenced me there. So I appreciate that you kind of gave me a little bit of a the push that I needed to kind of remember that this is one of the most important issues I think facing women that I love in in the United States. So yes, thank oh. you for and that, Miss Alex. I mm. just think you're such a gorgeous woman. Um, you do so many beautiful things in in your adopted Newcastle, Australia <laughs> city. And um, I love watching you. You need to follow Alex on Instagram. She's always doing really funny, creative things, including learning Spanish, uh, yeah. which I love that you share that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm really glad that you were cool to come on and talk mm. about, I guess, seeing how the world has shifted from, you know, your home country, because it does impact the, uh, you know, Australia and the rest of the world as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and we get to see a little bit of that through your eyes. Yeah. And I, um, I'm happy to talk. I'm definitely no expert, but I am. I am grateful at the moment that I do live in Australia, where as of right now, um, this is not a worry, and I feel so blessed and lucky. And it's important to remember to vote for the people that want to keep it that way. So yeah, I I feel very blessed to be here, and also on the podcast today too. Yay! Yay. Amen, sister. <laughs> Amen, sister. Got the back, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Mel. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.